Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Chris. We're having a great day today. Hope everyone out there is having a great day as well. Now, I know what you're thinking, and if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify or Amazon Music, I am wearing my Dallas Stars jersey because the other night they have officially claimed a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So congratulations to the Dallas Stars for that one. They pulled off a great win over the state. I believe the Predators. It was about 5-1 to one to solidify our spot. And congratulations to Robertson, who is the only player in Dallas Stars history to score 100 goals in a season. So congratulations to you. I know he's my little sister. My little sister is a big fan of Robertson. I like how he plays. I got on my Jamie Ben jersey for today's episode. Special episode, especially, you know, celebrating the Stars, getting a spot in the playoffs with, I believe, a few games left. And they have a uh, home stretch coming up this week, you know, but we're already in the playoffs. Hopefully we can keep that momentum and hopefully rise in the rankings for the Stanley Cup playoffs and kind of just move tiers up a little bit. I know we have a total of 98 points this season and there's still a couple teams that have like 100 and something. So hopefully we can move up in the brackets for the playoffs but i'm very excited and once again just wanted to give a quick shout out to the dallas stars and congratulations for making the playoffs now moving on to order of business for the podcast first up some big big stories coming up on twitter first before we get into some nfl kind of news and what's going on updates i want to give a big congratulations to the university of connecticut and the lsu tigers for winning their ncaa march madness tournaments that's right yukon wins for the men and the lsu tigers won for the for the women's tournament and congratulations to both those teams i know they worked very hard i know connecticut for the men's at least dominant they were pretty you know they were pretty unstoppable throughout like the whole march madness tournament so i'm very happy that they got it but hey kudos to san diego state i know a lot of people did not have them going to getting that far in the tournament i know i personally didn't think that they would get that far but congratulations to that team anyways for getting all the way to the championship game but the huskies ended up pulling it out you know to win it all they they did really great they had they had played such a great uh championship game and the game before that and they just had a pretty good tournament run this uh, coming year and i'm very happy for them to win it and for the lsu tigers they had another incredible they had a great incredible run just another team to kind of go through you know what they did through the tournament and having another great championship game so congratulations to them and a little side note the women's national uh championship game had six point five million viewers so congratulations to those women i'm very happy first of all that they got that many views this year for their championship game i know a lot of people have been trying to push for you know a little more women's sports to be broadcast and on a higher on a bigger stage than just you know espn plus or like local channels and stuff like that i think this is a great step in the right direction for women's sports especially collegiately and you know kind of getting more on a national level at least being in a bigger, you know, kind of being broadcast in a bigger setting or something along those lines. But I think this is a great win for women's sports. I'm a big advocate for them, you know, hope, you know, with everything going on. I, I think this is a great, great step in the right direction. I really do. And this is definitely going to help their case, especially since they work very hard just as much as the men's basketball team does. You know, they have to take time out of their day to go to practice, go to school, 
you know, all that stuff. They do the exact same thing as the men do, you know, at least adjusting their lives to fit in, you know, collegiate sports. And it's already a hassle as it is. If any of you ever, you know, done college or anything like that, I know now I'm still in college. It's already a hassle just to keep that at a steady job. Imagine, you know, doing school and being on top of it, a student athlete in college is not very easy. You know, it's a definitely a it's definitely a game of uh, life balance and definitely time management, but they still work just as hard to get to the point. And I want to congratulate LS, the LSU Tigers for winning their national championship and getting that many views for the women's championship. So congratulations. But we're going to keep sticking to the topic because something came out of the championship game, which I think is I should talk about because it was, you know, a big topic. And honestly, I think it just kind of overshadowed what what this happened to the game. But we'll just we'll talk about it now. So what had happened? If you don't know, Angel Reese, the star player for the LSU Tigers, you know, got caught in a crossfire. Everybody thought her action she did, the you can't see me to Caitlin Clark. The Iowa player that was playing up against, that went up against uh, against LSU in the championship game, and everyone saw it as disrespectful. And what I want to say to that is, I don't see an issue. I really didn't because smack talk is the is a, not really essential, but it happens. It's happened in sports. We've seen it throughout, you know, the history of sports. You know, we've seen it with other players in the NBA, the NFL, the WNBA, even golf. We've seen it in other sports before, so I didn't understand why this was such a big deal, you know, when this first came out. I was wondering to myself, why was this a big deal? Because it shouldn't be. It it happens in sports. And the thing about it is that Caitlin Clark did the same thing, essentially. She did the you can't see me, you know, thing, and everyone was like, oh, like, whatever. They were pra- kind of praising her, but Angel Reese did it, and apparently it's, like, horrible to do. Which I didn't understand, because it's part of the game. We've seen it. We've seen people do that. Here's a good example. Baker Mayfield, when he was at Oklahoma, you know, he planted the flag at Ohio State. Joey Bosa, went, you know, fast forward a couple years, sacked Baker Mayfield, and he did the exact same thing and planted it, and everyone went crazy when he was with the 49ers, and he kind of mocked him. No one gave him any kind of, like, any hate about it. Some people were like, oh, like he got his revenge. You know, oh, like, you know, Baker did it. So he's just kind of getting back at Baker. That's how everyone saw it. And everyone saw it as like, you know, oh, a revenge kind of thing. But Angel Reese did the same thing to Caitlin Clark and and Angel Reese got the hate for it, which I don't understand. I really don't. If no matter how you want to see it or how you try to explain it, I think either way, it should have not been as big of a deal because it's trash talk. We've heard worse. We've seen worse. I mean, we. I mean, it happens. You know, smack talking. It's competitive, especially if you have a competitive side to you. I know. Whenever I did sports, there were. You know, I had teammates that were very chirpy in practice and games, but it's just the sport. You're competitive. You're trying to outbeat the other team or the other team. You know, the other person to get the starting spot. You're trying to outbeat the other person to win the game. You know, a little trash talk is going to come out. Now, you know, depending on how it, you know, it, I guess it just really depends for me, like, wh- like the level of trash talk, because obviously there's a fine line. And I don't think Angel Reese crossed it. I really don't. She just mimicked it and said, give me my ring. Aaron Donald did that. I don't think that's really that big of an issue. I personally don't see it as an, a problem because people have done worse. Athletes have done worse. And we've heard stories. We've seen it on national television you know does everybody remember what happened when 
Kevin Durant went back to OKC after the I believe the first year he was with the Warriors. That was chaotic. That was wow. There was chirping, trash talk, you know, fights almost breaking out. That's you know that's where like okay, there's a line to it, and you're you guys are crossing it, and that's where that's what I think of like you're you're pushing it, or if anything comes out you know inappropriate, misconduct, racial. We've you know we've heard those stories before. And that's what I think of when I think of like really bad trash talk or taking things too far. That's exactly like what I think about whenever like topics like this pop up. I don't think Angel Reese did anything wrong. I think that she was well within her reason to do what she did. It's just smack talk. Everyone does it. And here's, I'll take it a step further. People do it in their homes when they watch games. If you don't believe me, watch any, any sporting event with the fan base you'll see it i'm a cowboys fan i've i've heard it from other cowboys fans how much smack talk they do i've seen it on tiktok youtube videos the 49er fans i know they do it the las vegas raiders fans they do it fifa i know a lot of people with national pride they do it basketball we've seen it all over sports so i don't think there's any reason why it should have been any different with angel reese so I'm going to move on from this topic just because, like, I didn't understand really what the problem or the hate was from all this. But just give you my stance, I don't think Angel Reese did anything wrong. I think that the you can't see me is just, all right, you can't see me either, Caitlin. And I'm getting a ring on top of it. It's just simple smack talk. I, just as I said, there's been worse. We've seen worse. And there's definitely everyone does it if you have a competitive side, even if you're just a basic fan. Even if you're just a person at home at the couch watching the game, supporting your team, especially if you are, you know, with a loyal fan that's been a fan of like either the collegiate school, a professional team, professional golfer, whatever you you see it and you hear it. And I mean, it's just it's going to happen. And I don't and I think this got blown way out of proportion. But speaking of blown out of proportion. Hey, everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, One Guy from Italy on University. One Guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally, I go order. The house calzone is my favorite. And also, they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy From Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. Sticking with the LSU team and everything that happened there, the First Lady, Joe Biden, wanted to invite Iowa to the White House along with LSU. I thought that was crazy when it first got brought up. I thought that was one of the weirdest things to ever to ever be like said from a first lady in a sense of like that like sports wise because this has never happened in sports ever and i don't understand why she brought it up i'll give it you know if you want to think it's because it's racial or whatever you know you have your statements and your reasoning what i don't understand is why she even brought this up i know i believe it's today she issued an apology and she kind of retracted her statement about inviting iowa it was just you know whatever she's a big fan of the game okay fine like if just say that just like i think they both did a great you know i think they both both teams played did excellent in the championship game i think that iowa had an incredible run in the tournament so did lsu but congratulations to lsu that's all you have to say and go about it that route and i think the pr team for the first lady jill biden you know they just saw the fire that got started once 
uh, she's tweeted that statement about possibly or saying her statement about inviting Iowa on top of it because there's no reason to. In life, there are winners and there are losers. That is something you will never get rid of. And, you know, just because this happened, you think you should step in and say, well, I, you know, maybe we should invite the Iowa team. You know, I feel bad, you know, especially the whole uh, Angel Reese Clark thing. It doesn't matter. They lost. That's the end of it. And that's that's going to be the end of it. I mean, there's no there's no participation trophy in collegiate or professional sports. You know, TCU got the brakes blown off them by Georgia, but they didn't get invited to the White House because they got their butts kicked. No, you know, the the Chiefs who got when they got beat by the Buccaneers really bad. Nobody came up and said, you know what, let's invite Patrick Mahomes. We feel a little bad. He didn't have an offensive line running for his life. He looked like Texas Tech Patrick Mahomes. Whatever. We've never seen that before. So I didn't understand where this came from or why even the First Lady would suggest an idea. Now, I'm kind of treading lightly here because I know that is the First Lady of the United States. So I'm like, okay, you know, can't be super disrespectful here. But I'm just questioning her statement and why she would even suggest an idea, especially since there was already the whole thing with Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark with the taunting thing that everyone took out of proportion. Now she's suggesting to bring in Iowa to the White House after they just lost in the tournament. And that just opened up a whole other can of worms for everyone to eat up. And now she's kind of took it back and, you know, we'll see what happens in the coming future. We'll see if, Angel Reese decides to go to the White House. I don't think there's been any like thing about her saying she's not going. But we'll have to see. And just hopefully no one ever kind of makes that mistake again. Because that's very... I think it's a little disrespectful. Because it's like we won the championship. We beat this other team. But they're still going to come either way. That's not... I don't think that's right. Because, you know, the team, the team that won, LSU, earned the right to go to the White House. And, you know, be with the First Lady and President Biden. You know, compared to a team that lost, and but they, they still get to go. That's just a participation trophy, which, I mean, however you, however you think about participation trophies and children or whatever is up to is up to you. And, but, like, in collegiate and professional, there's winners and there's losers, and that's kind of how life goes when you get older. You know, you're going to win at life, you're going to lose at life. It just depends on what's going on. However, don't, don't try to implement that because I think that's going to take away from the sport along with it's going to be seen as disrespectful and i think that's what ended up happening it's just it was seen as disrespect from the first lady now i know there was a lot of people saying like well it's because iowa had a predominantly white basketball team while lsu had a predominantly you know black team and you know they fell bad for the white team and it's like racial i mean you can see it however you want i know for me it's just disrespectful because lsu deserved it and they won and a good question that got brought up is that if LSU would have lost, would they have done the same thing if Iowa would have won the championship? That's that's just what I want to leave it at with that question. If Iowa would have won, would they have done the same thing for LSU? I think we all kind of know the answer to that one. So next up on our topics, another event this past weekend that broke the internet. Yes, I'm talking about the Super Bowl of wrestling events. WrestleMania. Wow, what a show, first of all, for night one. I'll get to night two in a second. Night one was phenomenal. The matches that they had and kind of the stories that were going into it. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair. 
The Usos, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn and their whole backstory. Pat McAfee coming up and defeating The Miz with George Kittle on his side. What a show. It was absolutely phenomenal. I think that was probably one of their best WrestleManias that they've put on. Or at least Night 1 was. Night 1 was phenomenal. I think it was you know probably one of the better WrestleManias that they've put on in a, probably in a while. And just kind of the way they did it. You know, like just to kind of pick, you know, kind of what I said with Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, the way they did it with them, you know, it was, per you know, felt a little personal. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, congratulations to Rhea Ripley, by the way, for winning the championship. You know, I know her whole little backstory with her, her stable she's in kind of put a halt on things, but the way these, uh, these superstars performed to the level that they did was absolutely phenomenal on the biggest stage for wrestling. And I think hands down, you can't take that away from them. Um, the tag team, you know, to main event, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens versus the Usos, the Bloodline, you know, just that whole story for like months that they set up, and now it came down to this. I'm very excited to see where they kind of go with that story, since Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn did win at WrestleMania, and I know their whole the Usos Bloodline stable is they got to get championships, be relevant, all that good stuff, and it's very exciting. And I think that night one was really great. You know, can, you know, with everything that they did, you know, put up and displayed, the theatrics, everything. I think night one was phenomenal. Now moving on to night two. I think night two was kind of a disappointment, not because it was a bad night. I don't think that that was the case. Like the first match they did with Brock Lesnar and Omos, that was understandable. It's supposed to be a slower match, you know, I mean, kind of get the crowd into the show. All right, cool. But just injuries, I think, is what killed everything. Like the fatal four-way tag match between the women. Uh, Shayna Baszler, she didn't have her boot on, so it looked really weird. Ronda Rousey didn't do much because I think it was reported she was injured. And I think I believe that Ronda won the match with Shayna. It, it was weird. You know, kind of the way they did that, because I guess because it was injured. And for those of you that have never seen wrestling, professional wrestling before or anything like that, when they take the camera off certain superstars... Typically, it's because they don't want to show you that they're hurt or something major happened to where it's real. So, to, you know, uh, now other times when you see them, you know, they're holding their arm, they're like wincing in pain, but the camera's on them. You know, it's like, okay, they're kind of, you know, it's the whole performance. But when their camera is not on the, the superstar, that's when, like, there's something serious to happen. A great example is, I believe, Edge versus Finn Balor. Finn Balor got busted in his head right in the middle. Like, I, he got hit with the ladder and just busted open. He had to get, like, 14 staples in his head to close the wound shut. And it was just bad. You know, the camera was off him. It was on the Superstar Edge. He was running around getting stuff set up to kind of give the medical team some time to kind of patch him up and, you know, call an audible and go that way. Shane McMahon came back to WrestleMania to fight The Miz. And he had a terrible landing and messed up his leg. So they had to call a quick audible, which, shout out to Snoop Dogg. I'm just convinced Snoop Dogg is just cool with everybody at this point because he went in there like a professional, called an audible, and fought The Miz. But that was I think that was just a weird display of what happened. I don't think it was because it was a bad show. I think it was just uh, unforeseen circumstances that caused it to be kind of a disappointing show. Uh, one of the you know one of the upsides to the night was definitely the triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship. Gunther, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus put on an absolute show. I think that they definitely revived the Intercontinental Championship and they kind of set the standard for, uh, you know, the quote-unquote workhorse championship, which is what the Intercontinental title is all about. And kind of just the way they did it. It was a slugfest, hard-hitting. Gunther came up and got the win. But you can't take anything away from that triple threat. And congratulations to Gunther for retaining the IC title. But 
Drew and Drew McIntyre and Sheamus put on an absolute great show, and I don't think we can take that away from those guys. And then moving on to the main event, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. My guy, Cody Rhodes, he lost the match. I'm upset. I mean, not because I'm a fan, not, but I was just more confused on now what's going to happen because the the stars were aligned, the setting was set for Roman Reigns to drop the belts, give it to Cody, so he can take time off because I believe it was reported he wanted time off from uh, from wrestling. You know, this was a perfect opportunity to do that, and they didn't. So I was left to wonder, okay, well, what's what's next now? Because are they just going to give Roman another year for the title? Are they going to give the belt to Cody Rhodes at SummerSlam? Are they going to have Cody Rhodes possibly win money in the bank and cash it in? Are they trying to get Roman Reigns the thousand days before they take the belts away from him? However WWE wants to do it, I just don't think it was handled correctly. You know, I think that this was a perfect opportunity to give Cody the championship along with, you know, give Roman his time off and go that route. Because it, it was just set up. The Usos lost the tag titles. Roman Reigns, if he would have lost, would have lost the belts. You know, that would have set up a perfect, like, okay, the blo- what's happening to the bloodline. You know, it could have been pushed, you know, it could have been dragged on for, like, maybe two more, like, big events, like Backlash, Money in the Bank, Super Slam. You can stretch it. I mean, we all, if you've seen it, we saw how long they stretched the Sami Zayn, you know, being with the bloodline. They stretched it for a long time. So, going about it that route, and kind of just seeing what, you know, how they handled Roman Reigns winning the title, it's just, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's not going to dissuade me from watching professional wrestling in wwe i'm i'm kind of curious on what route they're gonna take but just kind of seeing it and kind of what was on display i was a little disappointed and also in other news wwe i believe they were uh, combined with the ufc's sister company and uh and i think endorv or something like that endeavor or something like that and they are now combined so we're gonna see how that whole thing goes about and let's just see what's the future for the wwe but i am very sad that cody rose did not win the championship it's still on Roman Reigns, but I guess we'll just have to see what WWE is going to have to do going forward. I know as a wrestling fan, I was kind of excited for Cody Rhodes to get the belt, but now, you know, Roman Reigns is going to continue his streak and we'll go on from there. Alrighty, next topic. We are talking NFL updates, news, craziness. I'm going to start with New England Patriots and what's going on with them. Is Bill Belichick in the hot seat? I think so. I think so. Now, where is this coming from, you may ask? Now, when they had an owners and a coaches meeting about last week, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick were not getting on the same page. You could just tell there was tension between the two individuals for power, or not really power, but like a power struggle within the New England Patriots organization. So does this mean Bill Belichick might be on the hot seat this upcoming season? I think so. I think so, and here's why. And I think it's becoming a little evident that he knows. Because people are asking, like, well, you know, do they still have confidence in him? He goes back and says, look at my track record for the past 20 years. You tell me. Here's my thing, Billy. You had the GOAT. You had the greatest quarterback to ever play. Now, someone argued, what about the Matt Castle season? Okay, like, Matt Castle did well, but they didn't do super well without Brady. With Brady, they won more championships than they did with Matt Castle. Now, to go looking past it. He hasn't done very well since Brady has left the New England Patriots. He's only gone to the playoffs once. He got blown out 45-17 to by the Buffalo Bills. And he hasn't been back since. He missed the playoffs twice. 
compared to Tom Brady, who won two divisional titles and a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay in three years. And I believe he almost made the Super Bowl his first season with the Buc with the Buccaneers. So we're starting to see that Tom Brady seems to be like he's the reason why the New England Patriots were more successful than Bill Belichick. Because Bill Belichick is not doing well without Brady. Now, defensive mind, he's probably going to be one of the greats. He has a great defensive mind. But kind of just what's happened in the past three seasons and kind of his odd coaching pick this past season is definitely going to hurt him. Because he hired Matt, uh, Matt Patricia, a defensive coordinator and the special teams coach, to handle the offense. What did that result in? A really bad offense because he hired two people that were not capable of running an offense who have never had any experience running an offense and he put them in charge. Now, how do I compare this? I compare this to me to like say you work for a company, right? You're you're in sales, you know, you, you do a decent job and you know the CEO, board of director, executive, whoever comes in and says, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to go with another direction. You're like, oh, I'm just curious who's my replacement. And the oh the whoever it is says oh it's gonna be this person from it and you're thinking to yourself wait a minute you're hiring someone from it to come do sales and they've never done it before and you think that's gonna work because of a change of scenery or because you think you're you know you're a genius no it's not gonna work it's not gonna work out that way especially because they have no experience it's the same way with the nfl and what bill belichick did this past season Matt Patricia had no business running an offense, and we clearly saw it because of how poor they were on offense. Now, someone did mention that, well, Bailey Zappi had two games with 28-plus points. That I think that's a little bit because of their defense. They have a great, you know, they have a good defense, at least one that can compete. But this past season, the offense wasn't up to snuff. And what did that result in? That resulted in Mac Jones taking a giant step back in his career because there's nothing he can do about bad coordinating and a, bat, and a coordinator that had no business being there. Now, I know that the Patriots hired Bill O'Brien to come back and be the offensive coordinator for them this season. So maybe maybe this will help, especially since Bill O'Brien has run an offense. He's running the offense at Alabama. He was the head coach in the Houston Texans for a long time. He was there when Deshaun Watson was there. He was also the one that fumbled the bag with everything. You get the idea. He's at least ran an offense before, compared to Matt Patricia and the special teams coach that have never done it before. So... Kind of going, you know, about that, that's where I think Belichick's on the hot seat because he's made a lot of questionable calls go, you know, the past three seasons without Brady. And here's the worst part. The division in that they're in is only gonna get harder because the Bills and Josh Allen have proven that they, they, they are a top AFC team. The Jets are only a good to competent quarterback away from being a dark horse. Miami if Tua never gets his second concussion and if they would have handled that whole thing right, they would have been a dark horse in the playoffs. Now, I would have this. If Tua never got hurt and if the Jets had at least a decent quarterback, they would have been in the playoffs. I, I know the Dolphins made it, but they would have not gone eliminated in the first round, I believe, and the Jets would have made the playoffs. So the division's only getting harder, and Belichick is trying to hit the nostalgia button now, saying, well, look at my track record for the past 20 seasons. What have I done? Uh, now, and after Brady retiring and seeing what he accomplished outside of Belichick, it's like, hold on, buddy. What did you accomplish or what did Tom Brady accomplish? Because it's starting to look like Tom Brady was the main reason why they got all their Super Bowls. And I would argue that's the case because he's been, you know, he was the GOAT. 
He stepped up big when they absolutely needed it, and he's been clutch. He did it again in Tampa. He, you know, he did well up, up until I think last season was kind of like his worser season, but that was just a whole mess. But he still was very successful. Two title, two divisional titles, and a Super Bowl. That was Tom Brady in three years not being with the Patriots, and three years without Tom Brady for New England, one playoff appearance and getting blown out by the Buffalo Bills by their that by their divisional rival. It's not looking good for Belichick. It really isn't. And now that you're seeing that there's tension between him and Robert Kraft, you may get the but you may he may get the boot if they don't do anything this season. I think that, you know, they kind of lost some players, but they signed a couple people to come help out. I think it'll help, but they're going to have to at least make the playoffs for maybe Bill Belichick to stay another year or keep his or kind of keep, you know, his reign in New England a little bit longer before they have to possibly move on. But, you know, the coaching decision last season definitely hurt Bill Belichick. Speaking of the horrible, the horrible coaching decision on that end, it was reported that Mac Jones was a, getting shipped out. Not really shipped out, but he was being shopped around for a trade. What? I'm shocked be, be, because of this. Here's why I'm shocked. Because I don't think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback. I wouldn't say he's like top five or anything. But he can he can make it work. He made it work his rookie, you know, when he first came in to replace Cam, and you know they kind of did decent. You know he did decent this season. I think it was just a result of what happens when you don't get the right personnel. When you don't get the right personnel, everyone's gonna fail. I think the only one that really really thrived was Stevenson, the running back, because he got a lot of carries, he got a lot of halfback screens, all that good stuff. I think he was the one that probably benefited the most because Matt Patricia doesn't know how to run an offense. So what can you do if you have someone that has no idea what they're doing telling me what to do? It's I'll use the same example. The IT person gets hired for sales. Now I'm an incoming employee and I have to report to this IT guy that just took over sales and he has no idea what he's doing. Does that mean that probably means I'm not going to make good in sales because I have someone above me that has no idea what they're doing. It's the same logic with Mac Jones and what happened this past season in New England. Because of Matt Patricia not knowing how to run an offense, that what did that result in? A very poorly ran offense, and they did not put up a lot of points. Now, like I said, someone did mention the 28 points with Bailey Zappi, but defense came in clutch on that one. Now, whether there's a quarterback battle within New England, and we don't know anything about it, I think is a whole different, whole different can of worms here. Because... You know, it's if it's going to be a QB competition between Zappi and Mac, I think that should be a way better headline than Mac Jones might get traded because it's uh, to me it's not understanding on why they're going to do it because Mac Jones wasn't bad. It was just he was in a really really bad situation. This is like the definition of a bad situation because he was working with a coach that's never done this before, and now you're saying that you want to get rid of him because of the offensive coordinator didn't know what they're doing. And the only person to blame about this is, like I said in the first topic and the beginning of this topic, Bill Belichick. He's the one that high, he's the one that assigned Pat Patricia to be the offensive coordinator, and look where it got him. And surprisingly, he kept them there for a long time. I thought if you see the offense isn't working, you probably make a probably make a little bit of a change. But he didn't do that, and he stuck with it for a long time. And guess who ended up suffering? Mac Jones and the New England Patriot fr uh, franchise because they just got set back a whole couple years with that coaching that coaching assignment thing or whatever Bill Belichick wanted to do and that was the result of it 
Now Mac Jones is now this last season he was seen as mediocre, as not a good not a good quarterback and not a good fit. And I don't think that's it. I think that he just didn't get a fair chance at it because somebody calling the plays had no idea what they're doing. And it's not as simple as people, you know, some people may think like just call a play and whatever. You got to see formations. You got to see, you got to watch everything. That's why a lot of coordinators try to be up in the press box or in the box so they can, you know, see everything. I know, uh, I know the Cowboys defensive coordinator, he does that. Dan Quinn, he sits up there because he can actually see everything, you know, and go about that route. So I, that's what a lot of or, uh, coordinators do. Or, you know, if they are going to be down there on the sideline, they strategize. They try to see what defense people are in. You know, they're they're like how the quarterback works, essentially, because they have to see the, the defense, what's coming up, give them the, you know, give QBs the check with me's, all that good stuff. You got to go, you know, you, they got to do all that, too. It's not as simple as just give the ball and go. Unless you're the Tennessee Titans, you just give the ball to Derrick Henry and hope for the best. But the Patriots aren't that. <laughs> they're just not that organization, and they got to make it work. But for, in order for this to work, hopefully Bill O'Brien can come on in and fix that offense and maybe give Mac Jones a little bit more of a clearer, a clearer way, and maybe it'll fix this whole quarterback problem. If there is a QB issue, then I think that should be the headline, not uh, Bill Belichick trying to ship him out. Because I think that makes it sound like he doesn't believe in Mac Jones. And I don't think that's what it is because I think he's done well enough to put them in a position to succeed or at least try to succeed. It's just Bill Belichick got in the way this past season. Next topic. Hey everyone, I just want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce our next sponsor, Goldmine Collectibles. Goldmine Collectibles is a local Lubbock store located right off of 50th Street and University. Goldmine Collectibles sells a variety of things such as Funko Pops, wrestling figures, Pokemon cards, comic books, and more. As an example that I bought from Goldmine Collectibles is this awesome Cody Rhodes Double or Nothing Championship figure that they had in the store. And if you guys see the Funko Pops that I have right behind me, some of them are actually from Goldmine Collectibles. Ever in the market for Funko Pops, comic books, Pokemon cards, wrestling figures, and more. Make sure you guys head on over to Goldmine Collectibles. Thank you guys for sponsoring today's video. And now, back to the episode. DeAndre Hopkins. We're talking about DeAndre now. DeAndre Hopkins might get cut. <laughs> I'm just, I was a little shocked about this, but hearing the reasoning why kind of opens things up. A lot, so the Arizona Cardinals are trying to ship out DeAndre Hopkins because of his pay or whatever the reason may be. He's not happy there. They're trying to get a second round out of him, but a lot of teams are saying, no, because I got to give you a second and I got to pay $30 million and $26 million the following year for Hop. You're going to get a fifth round pick. And I'm going to quote... Shannon Sharp, own, you know, I own 2% of something is better than owning 100% of nothing. At least they're getting something out of the deal, especially if they want to move on from DeAndre Hopkins. Now, what do they want to do? I don't know. I don't know if it's a wise idea to try to ship out DeAndre this season. I don't know if it's because of Kyler's contract or what's going on with that. But the the Cardinals seem like they're in a, not really in a panic mode, but they're kind of in a shuffle mode ever since Cliff Kingsbury got fired. And they had to bring in a new... GM and whatever else is going on, which we'll actually get to the, their whole uh, something that happened to the organization in a minute. But now D Hop wants to leave, so they can't keep him happy. But no one wants to pay him a lot of money for one season and you know give them a second round pick. And I think that's a little bit understandable because of you know he was out for six games because of PEDs. He was injured. He's still a top wide receiver. I think DeAndre Hopkins will help any team that he goes to. Don't get me wrong. But will you give up a second round pick? I don't know. 
And if I'm getting Houston Texans D-Hop, I would totally give them a second-round pick. I think that's a steal. But also paying $30 million on top of that is a little bit of probably where it's scaring off a lot of teams where they maybe they don't want to go that route. But we'll just have to wait and see what ends up happening with the Cardinals organization and if they can trade away D-Hop and go and figure out what they're going to do about that. I know they have a really high pick this upcoming season or this upcoming draft, so maybe you know we'll have to see who they're going to go with. I think a lot of people are saying defense, uh, Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson from Texas State. There's a lot of names coming up. I don't know who it's going to be, but if if they're going to ship out DeAndre Hopkins, I may look into a wide receiver because I don't know who else they're going to run with um, over there. I know Hollywood Brown is there, but him or D-Hop, I, keep, I get D-Hop nine times out of nine times. So we'll have to wait and see as the story develops on who it wants to get the Cardinals. I know he was uh, in Dallas uh, talking on Des Bryant's podcast, and he was saying, Dallas, I'm here. I'm hearing buzz. I'm here. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. talk, Let's talk. You know, some contract work. But obviously, the Cowboys went and got Brandon Cooks, probably for a lot cheaper. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals organization. If they are going to trade him or they're just going to have to cut him, I believe it's going to be about like $22 million in dead money because of guarantees. So I don't know. I think the Cardinals are going to try really hard to get him out. So that way they can kind of clear the boards that way. And hopefully somebody takes him. Will they, though? I think that if anyone's going to take him, it may be next season because I believe it's $26 million for this year. So I think that's maybe a little bit more doable and like a fifth-round pick or a fourth. It's going to depend on his production this upcoming season if he plays for the Cardinals going into the going up into the into fall. But with that, let's see what happens with DeAndre Hopkins and who's going to give him up? Who's going to do it? Next, kids saying with the Arizona Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals... Uh, where uh, the owner, Michael, uh, Michael, he was accused of misconduct for cheating, discrimination, harassment by one of their executives, Terry McDonough. So Terry, apparently, along with former head coach Steve Wilkes, was in communication with a former with a former GM, you know, using burner phones and trying to communicate that way for the DUI that the former owner got. And it, it was out of control. It was a weird article to read. And that's bad. That looks very bad on the owner. That looks very bad on the organization because that's how everything came out. And I believe that, you know, the Cardinals are trying to, you know, figure this out in-house and try to, you know, go about it. And I believe Terry said that he had the phone with all the pics and the information to back up. So basically he brought in receipts. He has the receipts of everything that happened. I don't know if he still has the burner phone. I highly doubt it, but they have it. What does this mean? This does not look good for the Cardinals. This doesn't look good on them because it looks it looks very horrible uh, considering that they are possibly cheating. This could result in a lot of like negative backlash from the NFL, maybe a, a losing a draft pick. It's going to get out of hand. And this was just reported, I believe, yesterday. So it, we're still seeing the development of the story. But in my opinion, if you're if you know what's bad, if you know it's a bad idea, maybe you shouldn't do it. That's kind of the old saying. You know, if you have, no, you know, it's kind of like going on the long lines of you have nothing to, nice to say, don't say it. If you know, if you don't think it's the right thing to do, you should probably not do it. You know, or if you have to think about, if you have to think about something, you probably shouldn't do it. If it's a choice you have to think about, don't, then maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you shouldn't make it. And I think this is an example of it because, wow, this is out of hand. And maybe this is another reason why DeAndre Hopkins wants to leave just because of the craziness of the organization. And now they're dealing with this kind of, you know, public 
publicity stunt issue and you know kind of now everyone's wondering what's going on inside the organization and what shady stuff is you know happening so i believe as of right now during this recording there has been no like repercussions of what's of what your cardinals organization and the gm did so we're gonna have to wait and see on that story but i'm not gonna be surprised if the nfl comes in tricks to weigh a draft pick possible termination of the gm or you know possible banishment of the former gm and go about it that route so especially since they were talking to him during a suspension for a dui and they were still trying to talk to him you know doing some cia stuff and look how that worked out the truth will always come out everybody it'll come out one way or another and i think that this is just another example of it so hopefully the cardinals can get that fixed but as of right now and of this recording there has been no kind of repercussions of this whole situation, I believe it's still under investigation. So hopefully the NFL can figure that out and go about go about their business. Next up, big news that happened today. John Elway will not be returning to the Denver Broncos. What? Am I shocked? I don't think so because they agreed to mutually part ways. So maybe John Elway was at that point like maybe I, you know, maybe he's tired of it. Maybe he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I think really just things started going downhill after the whole after the Peyton era. After Peyton won his Super Bowl, retired, everything for Denver just went pff, downhill. Because, you know, they missed the they made playoffs, but they got eliminated in the first round the first couple years. Uh they brought in Brock Eis I believe they started Brock Osweiler. That didn't work. They brought in uh, uh what's his name? Uh Paxson? Paxson Lynch. There we go. They brought in Paxson Lynch. Look up I don't even know if he's ever touched a football anymore. Drew Locke didn't work out. This last season with Russell Wilson, that was a fiasco. You know, so I think that, you know, the John Elway era as, you know, the GM, the owner or his higher up position just didn't work out towards the end after the Peel after the Peyton Manning era. They had a great time. He has a Super Bowl, you know, being Cam in that high flying offense. So I think that's one thing you can't take away from John Elway. But maybe maybe if you're a Broncos fan, you can help me kind of understand why they didn't bring him back or maybe why he didn't want to come back. I was I'm not too sure on what was going on. I know they said that they mutually agreed to part ways, but good luck to you, John Elway. I know they will always remember John anyways as the top quarterback in Denver Broncos history. You know, him, then maybe Peyton and whoever else you could think of. But if you're a Broncos fan, let me know what happened or what do you think about it. And I think it's just a crazy story that happened today. But we'll have to see what's gonna happen now with the Broncos, who they're gonna get to replace John Elway. And maybe hopefully this is going to be a little bit, you know, of a better of a better era post Eli. And now with them bringing in Sean Payton to fix everything that's going on with Russell Wilson, this is going to be helpful. But a clean slate for the Denver Broncos going to get someone to replace John Elway. Alrighty, final topic for the day. So the Houston Texans, it has been reported that if they do not like the quarterbacks, they will not draft one this in the first round. I don't like it. I don't like it because number one, the Houston Texans were three and 13. I don't think they're in any position to say the quarterback was not the problem because Davis Mills did not play well. They had, they only had, they, I believe they only scored 289 points in the season, which was tied for 30th. So they were almost dead last in offense, at least putting up points. And they're coming here and saying that, well, if we're not sold on our, on the QBs at uh, at the draft, we're probably not going to get one and be go the conservative route. I don't like it. I really don't because I don't agree with it. They don't have a quarterback to work with. And I think that's the whole point that they're missing. 
Because they may say they may go get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. I believe, I know everyone's saying Will Anderson's probably the best prospect out of every position. But they need a quarterback. And Shannon Sharp kind of put this in a good in a good way to explain it. If it's Joe Burrow, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, they're the top three. Who are you going to go with? Probably Joe Burrow. Because quarterback is probably your biggest necessity for an NFL organization. And that's what the Houston Texans need. They just brought in a new coach, and they're not going to give them a, a, at least a quarterback. Now, who's going to be there at two? It's probably going to be C.J. Stroud, but C.J. Stroud's not a bad pick either. You know, it's toss-up between him and Bryce Young. Everyone's saying it's because Bryce Young's height and his weight and whatever, he's too fragile. Whatever, whatever stuff analysts say to make other people look better, and it just doesn't work out. I don't think the Texans want to go that... They shouldn't go that route because they're going to look like the biggest fools on draft night. And if I'm going to quote uh, the draft day movie from the owner of the Cleveland Browns in the film, Sonny, every year someone comes out of this draft looking like a donkey. And if the Texans don't go get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young if they're there, they're they're going to be the biggest donkeys this year. Because that doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't want to go get a top two quarterback projected uh projected players because Bryce Young is probably going to be great no matter where he goes you know it may take some time but okay if you want to play the safe route CJ Stroud at least when he when I saw him play in college he made very few ugly mistakes you know obviously some people you know have some hiccups but he didn't play bad it's between him and Bryce and it's like this it's like like really really close on who you're gonna want to go with but I believe they have another pick as the 12th pick. And if they want to wait for Will Levis to possibly be there, which I don't see happening, that that's even dumber. I think if CJ Stroud and Bryce Young were not in the draft this year, I may understand. Because I'm not completely sold on Will Levis because of how poor, poorly he played against ranked opponents. And I'm not sold on Anthony Richardson, even if he could throw the ball so high he hits the roof. I'm still not sold on him because he can't throw three feet in front of him. As I saw in college when he actually played, Anthony Richardson's athletic. Don't get me wrong. He's a strong runner. You know, he broke all the records for QBs. But sometimes that doesn't always translate in the NFL. The two QBs I think right now that are NFL ready are going to be Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Those are going to be the two that are are NFL ready right now. And if the Houston Texans don't get that, don't get one of them, they're going to be fools. Because that's just not the right way to go about it. Now, I know that D'Amico Ryan is a defensive-minded head coach, especially coming in, but if you want to have that rebuild and that clean slate and a, you know, a fresh start for the Houston Texans, go get your quarterback. Go get him. Because, like I said earlier, I can understand if it's like, like especially la- like last season, Kenny Pickett, he was probably the only one that was like QB ready last season in their draft in the draft class, and he went really, and he went like really late into the draft. I think that's a whole nother conversation because it's like, okay, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in the draft this year, so maybe let's let's kind of push it off and see if we can get someone in free agency, or if we can get you know, or hopefully maybe Davis Mills can fix it. And that's what they did, and nothing got better, and they fired, uh, and they fired their head coach this past season and brought in D'Amico Ryan. So quarterback is probably necessary to definitely refix the Texans especially with all the talent that they just brought in you know Dalton Schultz is just one of them the name you know he's a great tight end great security blanket he will be helpful to CJ Stroud or Bryce Young depending on who gets drafted first by the Carolina Panthers but don't don't go this route of well we're not sold then we may just go get Will Anderson don't do that because then you're not going to have a quarterback or you're going to be stuck with Will Levis and if he doesn't work out like I don't think he will 
then you're going to be back to where you started. And now you're just, you know, reinvent. Now you're just definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over again. You expect another result. That's exactly what's going to happen to the Texans. And just to keep going on that. Why, like, why would they want to wait to get another quarterback? Because outside of C, outside of the top four or supposedly top four, I'm going to say top two from now on. Top two quarterbacks, everybody else is a, is a coin flip at this point. Because everyone doesn't know if Will will work or or Anthony Richardson or a hooker from Tennessee or Max Duggan or any other quarterback that's out that's going into the draft this year. No one really knows, but CJ and Bryce are for sure. And I think they're going to be great, or at least they're going to help the organizations. They're going to help them out and at least show that they have their franchise quarterback. And now all we have to do is build around them, especially since the QB market right now is super out of whack. And if the Texans want to pay Lamar Jackson $250 million in guaranteed money, and maybe that's why they don't want to get a quarterback, I think now we're at a whole different problem here. You know, not really a problem, but now we're at a whole different crossroads. But there's no reports about them trying to get Lamar Jackson. I don't think that they're going to even try because I don't know if they're going to want to pay him all that money and see, you know, go about that route. And it's cheaper to try to get a first court, you know, a quarterback right now in the first round. It's probably going to be cheaper than trying to go get a quarterback in free agency or, you know, waiting around to see if Davis Mills is going to end up being good. Newsflash, it's not. So if you're the Houston Texans, do not be the team. Do not screw this up. You have C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I think those are should be the only two that they should be worried about this, up this upcoming season. And I think those are the two that they should plan on bringing in. And hopefully that they do that and they don't pull, they don't go get Will, they don't get Will and CJ or Bryce fall to maybe Indianapolis or somebody else. Cause I think that's going to be the biggest mistake the Houston Texans are going to make if they decide not to go with CJ or Bryce Young. But alrighty, that's going to wrap things up on this episode. Make sure you follow me on all my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm at CAV Sports or the CAV Sports Podcast. This episode will be going up on Spotify, YouTube, and Amazon Music. So make sure you guys check that out. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode.